Just thank God. Yeah. Let me say to all of you who are listening, wherever you are, any of our campuses, online, if you're at home, wherever you are, you matter. And I want to thank you for all you have done to make um, 2023 the greatest year we've ever experienced. And today, we baptize more today than we did my first year when I came to Hattiesburg. So, so thank you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you because you gave your son Jesus to die for us. God, you gave us eternal life because of your grace, not because of anything we did to deserve salvation. You just poured out your son. His body was broken. His blood was shed because of our sins. And God, we have to give. It's a natural response for everything you've done for us, for not only for eternity, but even to live now with joy and fullness. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, it is so cold outside, and I know many of you who have young children, you're just so glad to get out of the house. You know, like, we got to go to church today. I mean, we're going crazy. And, uh, and we're in a series called 21 Days of Prayer, and many of you are in your second week of fasting from something or kind of dedicating yourself to something so you can focus on the Lord and what he would say to you. My grandchildren are fasting from some things, and they came up and told me like they invented 21 Days of Prayer, and so it's been exciting to watch them. And you probably know this, but this is a year of transition in a lot of different places, uh, one of my favorite coaches has uh, stepped aside, retired. His name is Nick Saban. Yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> Roll tight. And, and so here's the thing. You know, I look at Nick Saban, you know, and he's older, but he didn't start all the things he's known for last year. See, here's the thing that you need to know because I'm going to talk about legacy and some of you are going to go, well, when I get old, I'll think about it. It's too late. Like you're leaving a legacy right now. And if you're a college student, we've got some amazing college students. I made a joke about them at 930 and I got called out on it. And, but we love you and I want you, I'm going to tell you that the habits you are forming now in college, now get this, okay, will follow you into marriage. And it will follow you, if you don't do something, into having kids. And it will follow you into being a grandparent. Because you're beginning your legacy right now with the things that you're doing and how you're living. So we're going to talk about uh, how to leave a legacy and, and how to move forward and, and about reloading as leaders. Uh, the brand new defensive coordinator at Alabama uh, was one of our students here. He, he kind of grew up as a college student in, in our church. And he had a father that was into coaching and, and uh, Kane Womack. And he, he kind of followed in his footsteps. But he's beginning his legacy at Alabama because of the things he was doing beforehand. So Today we're going to look at Moses and how he was a leader, and I really feel like, I know it's cold, I know you've kind of gotten warm, and you're kind of getting subtle, but this is a day you may want to write something down because you have an opportunity to leave an amazing legacy to your family, 
And if you wait until you think, well, I may be getting to an age now where I'm going to leave a legacy, you're waiting too long. So Moses, you probably know the story if you don't know the background. Uh, Joseph, his brother, sold him into slavery. He went down to Egypt, and he was thrown into the prison, and Potiphar's wife tried to mess around with him. The Bible's so great, you need to read it. And then he was promoted to be like the head all, over all of Egypt next to Pharaoh. He saw a vision. He prepared for a famine. It saved like that area. His family came, and after some time, there was a Pharaoh who arose who knew not Joseph, and they put him in slavery, and for 430 years, they were enslaved. And out of that, God kind of grew this man up. Moses had his sister put him in a little papyrus ark and put him in, put him in the Nile River, and he floated down the Nile until Potiphar's daughter found him and drew him out of the water. His name means drawn out, Moses. And he spends the first 40 years in the palace, until one day he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man, and so he kills the Egyptian. And he flees to the pasture where he's overlooking all the sheep for 40 years. 40 years of training until God says, I want you to go back now, and I want you to lead my people uh, into freedom out of Egypt to the promised land. He goes, I don't want to go, I can't speak. And God says, I've made your mouth. I can help you speak. Just trust me. It's not about you. I just want to use you. You can use your brother. He can talk a little bit. So he goes back and he leads them out and he's in the wilderness with the people then for 40 years and they're complaining and they're bickering. But there's things we learn from Moses that we should never forget about how to leave a legacy because there comes a time, get this, when every leader and every dad and every mom, I did a funeral yesterday for a grandfather, a father, a friend, and there comes a time when, when your time is up. And when you're young, you don't think about that. You're like, no, I got this. I got this. No, you don't got this. Because at some point, you'll move on, and whatever you have done with your life will be your legacy. So Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 1 then Moses went out and he spoke these words to all of Israel on the edge of the promised land. He's not going to get to go. He lost his temper, which I can relate to that. He says, now I'm 120 years old and I'm, I'm no longer able to lead you. And I'm going like, man, that must have been hard to say. I mean, he's been leading these people. He sacrificed his life. He lost his sister. I mean, all these things have happened. He says, it's my time to move on. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land, and Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord has said. And, and the, the, the Lord will do to them what they did to Sihon and Og and the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along the way to the land. And the Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. And then he says in verse 6, and I love this because he says it over and over again. And, and you may need to hear this because stress and anxiety comes when you lead. When you try to do the right thing, it's going it's to hit you. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Then Moses summoned uh, Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, 
Hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you must go with these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give to them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. And the Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you, and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And what a great word to every leader that is listening to me. See, the first principle of leadership and understanding legacy is that a movement or a family or a business or a church must have a successor or the movement ends. Let me, let me, how many of you have gone to Blockbuster lately and rented a video? How many of you have gone to Radio Shack and you, you bought yourself a radio? Why not? But because somebody wasn't willing to do whatever it took to get to the next level and, and everything about that business dried up with those folks. Listen, if you stay stuck in the past and if you say, hey, I'm not going to go and where I feel uncomfortable, I'm not going to lead, I'm going to hunker down, you lose. You remember the 12 spies? Okay, they're, they're getting ready. This is where it all began, okay? They, they, it's right there. They could go into the promised land, okay? They could go into Palestine. It was right there. And the, he sends out 12, 12 spies, and they come back and say, this place is amazing. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, like, you wouldn't believe it. It's incredible. But there's some giants there, and we can't go. And Joshua and Caleb goes, what do you mean? God has given us this land. We got to go. We got to go now. I mean, they're young guys. These are 10 older guys. We got to go. We got to go. Listen, if God gives you a vision and tells you to go, he will provide a way. You need to write that down somewhere. Because everything you see around you were things that people told me that I loved and respected, who were smarter than me and better than me, who said, this won't work. And I said, I, okay, God, with this, they said it won't work. He said, let's go. And every single thing, every single time he said, you go, you go, you go, he has provided a way. Listen, there won't be a time in your life when God brings you along where he'll say, okay, now you've kind of done some good things. Why don't you go back to Egypt and lay down? You can't play it safe. God wants you to grow. God wants you to move forward. God wants you to have a plan. I tell you, one thing I got to say about USM baseball, I don't know if you follow USM baseball, but, but you should. Because over the last 60 years, they've only had four coaches. Do, do, do you, did you realize that? And, and this is kind of the plan. Back to Hill Denson, okay, all the way back when, when you know, they had like this weird mitts, you know. Like all the way back there, like they had a plan, okay. You had the head coach, and this, this is a coach. became Like when this coach died or moved on, he kind of moved up and slotted him up. And then, then you had this coach, and when he moved on, this one slotted up and moved on. And then when this coach came, then he moved on up. You see a plan? And they've been able to keep the same culture over 60 years. It's why you can't get a ticket to a baseball game. Listen, if you're a leader, you need a plan because success without a successor is a net failure. Did you, did you write that down? It's Peter Drucker. It's not me. This guy's a leadership guru. Like, like, like success without a success. Like if you don't have somebody behind you, 
Everything you work for is just a failure. You got to be ready. You got to have a plan. Uh, is it Brock Purdy? Is that his name? The, the quarterback for San Francisco? Yeah, Brock Purdy. Purdy, what a name. He can't be a good football player. Purdy? Brock Purdy? Did you know at Iowa State he was a third string quarterback? Third string. Did you, did you know that? Third string quarterback. And you know what he did? He didn't go, well, I'll just quit. I'm a third string quarterback. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to lay down. I'm just going to go back to my hometown. I'm going to wreck. No, no. He kept working. He kept planning. He kept going. He kept moving forward. Then he was the last person drafted in the 2022 draft, Mr. Irrelevant. The third string quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers is now making a comeback and beating the, the, the Packers. Listen, listen, he never gave up. He kept moving forward. And now that's all people can talk about. Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy. Because you never know when your time's going to come up. When it's time for you to get in the game. Listen, I am begging you. Listen to me, especially if you're young. I am begging you to multiply yourself multiply your vision, multiply the things you know that are right with your kids. And let me show you how to do it. Here's some, here's like five levels of leadership and how you can do that. And mom and dad, I want you to write this down because you're already doing this, but it'd be nice to do it intentionally where you say to your kids, hey, I do, okay, this is what I'm doing and you watch. And then we'll talk about it. Somebody's like, they're, they're, like they've got their baby here and they're like, Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Like, you, you know, I do, you watch. I do, you help. We talk. You do, I help. We talk. You do, I watch. We talk. And then you do and someone else watches. Do you see how this works for multiplication? Where, where you understand that you've got a plan, that you're passing down a legacy, that you're passing down things that are important to your family, that you're giving a generational blessing because if you don't, this is what happens. You're giving a generational curse because you're saying, look, I'm an adult, you're a kid, so look, you just get over it. When you get to be an adult, you can make your own decisions. That don't work because they're watching you. Parents, this is why I beg you all the time, get in a house church, get serious about your faith because you're leaving a generation of blessing or cursing based on what you're doing because whatever you're doing is what they're watching. And over a period of time, you'll say, hey, let's do this together. Then after a while, you say, you go do that because I'm too old. Then all of a sudden, and then before you know it, you've passed down a generation of things that you're like, hey, hey, I, I, I want to take that back. Listen, I'm old enough now, it has finally dawned on me that I am old enough now to realize that my life from the time I was in college and high school has been a legacy that I have been leaving to my children and to my grandchildren. Here's the second principle. A multiplying leader doesn't accumulate power, they distribute power. Now, you're going, well, that has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. When you understand, like if you're leading a family and you're trying to make all the decisions by yourself, you're a bottleneck to your family. 
Like, like, like they can't get past you. If you're in a business and you're doing all the work, man, man your business is like you're a manager. You're not a leader. You're, you're making everybody kind of be down here, and they've all, all got to come through you. And it's going to look, your business is never going to grow. Your, your family is never going to have a legacy because you're doing everything. Finally, Moses got secure enough in Numbers chapter 11. I want you to hear this because finally he says, and this will happen to you in your life if you keep doing everything. Okay, this is what he says. He says, I cannot carry all these people by myself. And the Lord's going, really? I didn't know that. The burden is too heavy for me. This is, if this is how you're going to treat me, God, in working for you, then just go ahead and kill me. I've been there. God, this look. I just seemed like do something else. I beg you, let me do something else. Because I was trying to do every single thing. If I found favor in your eyes, don't let me face my own ruin. And then the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting. I love this. And that they may stand with you, and I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take some of the power of the spirit that's on you, and I'll put it on them then they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it all alone. Now, now there's two guys that didn't show up. There's always two guys at your workplace, okay, or two ladies, and they're always late. And, and here's two of them right here. They, they, see, the, nothing has changed. And they didn't come to the tent of meeting. They said, well, I ain't going down there. I ain't going to sign up for Venture 101. I ain't doing all that. Forget that. I'm just going to stay right here. Here's the problem. In verse 26, however, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp and they were listed among the elders, but they didn't go to the tent. They were at home watching the ball game. Yet the spirit also rested on them and they began to prophesy in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, said to Moses, I've been with you since I was a youth. Tell them to stop. They have not gone through the process. And Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? He said, I wish all of God's people were leaders. I, I wish everybody would understand that I've got a plan for them. Listen, God has got a plan for your life. God wants to use you. He wants to use you in his church. He, he wants you to understand that you've, you, you've got to take the authority God has given you and you've got to trust somebody else. And I'm going through that. Trust other people to take that and move because God, listen to me, God is pouring out his spirit on our church. He is pouring out his spirit on our church. And, and I'm afraid that we, it is so good, it's been so good for so long. We take it for granted. He's pouring his spirit out on you. Do you understand all the things that have happened in 2023 could not have happened without you? Where you understand the vision, a church for the unchurched, the mission, to lead them to know, love, and follow Jesus, the strategy to invite, invest, impact, ignite. And when you start doing that, it becomes a part of your routine, becomes a part of your language. Man, everything picks up steam. It's not about the preacher. Man, you can get up here and burp into the microphone. If you've got the vision and mission and strategy and you're rolling, man, we're going to be rolling as a church because you are the church. Before long, these babies are going to be leading out. But I want to challenge you not to come in because we got a lot of people. Alicia told me last week, she goes, honey, I don't know everybody. I said, no kidding. 
And, and, and here's the thing. If you come in from your church, you go, well, well I'll tell you what, back over there at Ebenezer, we had, we had chicken night, and I got two pieces of chicken. And I don't know where the chicken is. Well, then you got to go back to Ebenezer because that's not what we do. See, here's the thing. We're not asking you to come with a parallel vision to go, well, I got a vision too. No, if you got more than one vision, that's the vision. If you got more than one head, that's a monster. We're, we're saying, find your place in what we're doing. We're not changing the vision and the mission and the strategy and the core values. We're here to go. Have you seen the men in the boat? Have you seen that, the movie, the, the men in the boat? Do y'all go to movies? You, you, anybody seen it? What do y'all do? Like you send it. Thank you. They got two Christians, and 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 they're from in Colombia, and they're having to drive all the way in. Anyway, but but here's the reality. Back in 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 in, in thirty six, nineteen thirty six, in the Olympics, they, they had this rowing team, and right into rowing's a big deal. University of uh, Washington, and the junior varsity team had the had eight men. There's eight men in the rowing, and you got to row in sync, and you got to be in the right seat, and you got to row at the same time. You got somebody telling you when to row, and you're rowing, and you're rowing, and then they win the gold medal because they're so in sync with each other. And the challenge we've got is to help you find your seat in the boat and to row. To row. You say, well, how do I do that? Venture 101 next week. You ought to come and bring your kids. If you've got a high school student, you've got a junior high student, maybe they could do something for somebody else instead of themselves. I'm watching my grandkids. I'm thinking, you know what? You know, like I, get, like I gave them some French fries of this. I, and I said, can I have some of those? No, these are mine. I said, I bought those, bro. <laughs> well, you mean those are yours? We're raising some selfish people. But you come and you find your place because if you don't, you know what you'll do? You'll ghost the church and you'll grumble. Well, I would go down there, but they don't have a lot of, you know, Stuff for me, because you know, I, need, I need a little more than that when I decide to go. And you know what? On top of that, I need more meat. Do, do you know that they said the same thing in the Old Testament? This is so cool, because people have not changed, and God's not changed. They got so angry with God because they were just eating like manna. They got tired of eating just like toast. And they're like, hey, we're sick of this manna. We're sick of this manna. Well, we want some meat. We want to be fed. We want more chicken. We want better chicken. We want fried chicken. We want baked chicken. We want, you know, the whole thing. And so all of a sudden, God says, okay, you want meat? Here it comes. Quail starts falling out of the sky. He says, you're going to eat meat until it comes out your nostrils. And on top of that, 14,700 of you are going to die. Happy New Year. <laughs> you mean God killed him? That doesn't sound like a New Testament God. Yeah, he killed him. So if you grumble, <laughs> I got a thing with the funeral home people. They're going to hit me up first. I get a cut. <laughs> this is what he says in Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 17. This is a verse you may want to tattoo if you're a grumbler. 
Just, you know, tattoo this on your forehead so you can see it every morning when you're brushing your teeth. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for that wouldn't be any benefit to you. Just find your place. I understand, like I thought through this, you know, like I'm, I'm getting where I, I, there'll be a time where I can miss church and just lay in and lay out and do whatever because it must be fun because every time I go to Walmart during the 10 o'clock service, 11 o'clock service, when I'm not going to church, it's filled with people I know. And if you don't find your place and get serious, it will not be meaningful because here's the third thing. Not all of us can do big things, but we can do small things with great love. Chad and his team that worked with our baptismal folks, we used to have a baptismal committee and everybody wanted to be on it because we never baptized anybody. That's not, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not being, that's not a joke, that's true. Man, he's back there like, hey, man, how you doing? This is the greatest decision of your life. Hey, there's our pastor. There's one of our pastors. We want you to meet him. And man, I was just like, it's unbelievable. I'm like, wow, Chad, you're the the man. You you found your place. You found what you're going to do. Because here's the thing that great leaders understand. If you're a great leader, you make yourself unnecessary. If you're a great leader in your business and, and, you, and you're gone for a week and you come back and it's upside down, you're just a bad leader. See, everybody's leaving a legacy. I had one of my friends, he told me he got uh, COVID during the holidays, during Christmas. He said he was sitting, and we were both having this pity party because we, neither one of us feel old. We don't look old. We look young. We still are vivacious and fun and funny. And so he said, I was sitting over because I had COVID. And he said, I was watching my family around the Christmas tree open up the packages. And he said, I got to see what it would look like without me. And it caught me off guard. What I should have said was, why would you feel about how it looked? Because that's going to be for everybody here. How do you feel about the legacy you're leaving to your kids, to your grandkids, to the little babies that are already picking up on the things that you do and don't do? What kind of legacy are you leaving them about how you feel about the church? I don't know if you've been watching all the things that's happening. There's a big game today. It's one I'm really excited about, the Buffalo Bills and uh, Taylor Swift. And the, the reality is there's a big difference in the two because when, when, when they had a problem in Buffalo with all the snow, I'm like, those people are going to sit out there for four hours, and it's going to be about 10, 10 degrees colder than this for four hours. And I was upset in the, in the atrium because I got cold. And so they had an all-hands-on-deck call in Buffalo, New York, where I don't know, I don't know if, they're, if, if they can get this in Buffalo. I didn't know there was anybody in Buffalo that did anything except for themselves. And they said, hey, we need people to bring your shovel because we got we to clear this place out because we got a big ball game tonight. And those people showed up with their shovel. Now, I would imagine, I'm not, I ain't going to judge them. 
I don't think every one of them are preachers. Hey, we need, we need some people to shovel snow because we got a big game, and you know the Bills, the Bills need to win. Why? Because they hadn't won in so long, it's going to be a mystery to everybody. They went to the Super Bowl three straight years and couldn't win. I said, my word, just throw something over the wall. You could hit something, and you're going to give all of your time and be out there freezing and bring your shovel I thought, well, that's not that many people. And then I, then I saw the next picture, and I thought, my goodness, those, I, I, boy, I just like to have a megaphone, like for those people, to, you know, that, that's, a, that's a captive audience. Hey, why y'all are shoveling? Let me tell you something. Jesus got a plan for you. And I got to thinking, like, like what are we leaving as a legacy as a church? Are we leaving a legacy where we're saying, bring your shovel, get your oar? Or are we saying this? Shake it off, shake, shake, shake it off. You got bad blood, I got your bad blood. I can't see out the window, cause I'm too cool. Now listen, I got ripped apart after the 9.30 service by some young girls. I'm not mad at Taylor, this is just an illustration. She's a wonderful human being. But, Pastor, let me ask you something. Go back to the, go back to the bills for a second, because we've seen Tyler. As a church and as a family, do you want to raise disciples or divas? It's my gang sign right there. Are you raising disciples or divas at your house? Shake it off, shake, shake, shake it off. Spend $1,000 on a ticket in the nosebleeds. Won't go to church because it's not important. I went too far. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But that's good. Like, like what I just did was really good. Like, thank you. I got one person. Yep. That's what I was. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Bottlenecking all right here, all about me. Here's the thing. They're watching you. When your kids graduate from college, if all they think about is themselves, they had a good teacher. Mm. Would you bow your heads before I get in a lot of trouble? I'm begging you to leave a legacy of service not being served. It cuts across the grain of everything you know on social media, your school, your neighborhood, probably your church. But I'm going to tell you one day when you're over in the corner because you got the COVID, you'll see a difference in your family and you'll never regret it. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to prepare your heart because God's calling out to you. He's not dead. He's alive. His word's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And if he's speaking to you, 
I encourage you to listen. And usually when he's speaking, you need to move. Maybe move forward to the altar. Maybe go to the crosses at all of our campuses. If you're at home, maybe you want to get on your knees there in your den and just say, God, I'm going to leave a godly legacy. It's not about me. It's about what I'm leaving behind. And God, I want to leave godly people who when they stand over my casket, they know where I am and I know how they're living because I led them and multiplied my faith into them. Because if you're not multiplying your faith into them, the world is, it's not neutral. Take the Lord's Supper. What a picture, the broken body of Jesus and the blood shed. And just take 60 seconds to prepare your heart for what God is saying to you.